like my, it was like my sign last week. I had it all upside down. So um, thank you, Forever Blessed. Yeah. So y'all started out smiling. We'll see if you end up that way. <laughs> this morning, we're going to talk about indivisible with liberty. Now, those words sounded familiar to me. I think that they may sound familiar to you as well. I remember uh, saying them as a little girl in, well, a little girl in elementary school and uh, as part of the Pledge of Allegiance in our classroom. So in preparation for the sermon today, I thought, you know, how did this all come about? And I did a little research and I found out that almost 125 years ago, a man by the name of Francis Bellamy wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, Francis Bellamy was a son of a Baptist minister from upstate New York, and he himself at one point in time was also a minister. I don't know why he left. That's a mystery. If you choose to unravel it, you may go right ahead. So he went to work for a magazine called Youth's Companion, and he worked in their promotions department. So hold that in your head. It is 1892, and we're about to have the World's Fair in, in our country. We're going to have it in Chicago, Illinois, and it's the World's Fair Columbian Exposition. And what's significant about it being in Chicago is that um, Chicago wanted to show the world how it had risen from the ashes from the great Chicago fire of 1871. And so some of the architecture, the older architecture that you see in Chicago today was actually built for this World's Fair Columbian Exposition. The Columbian Exposition was in celebration, or the theme was for the 400th anniversary of Columbus's arrival at the New World, in the New World. And some of the things that were introduced at this World's Fair, you may uh, still be familiar with. There's juicy fruit gum, cream of wheat, Pap's Blue Ribbon Beer, And because you know how you want to compete, be better than the, than the last person did something? Well, the previous World's Fair was in Paris. Paris, France, not Paris, Texas. <laughs> and um, they had, as part of their exposition, their World's Fair, the Eiffel Tower. So Chicago wanted to outdo what Paris had done. So they built the first... Ferris wheel. Now this Ferris wheel was taller than the Eiffel Tower and get this, hold on to your seats folks, it carried 2,160 people. Which means my whole town that I grew up in could have gone in mass and ridden the Ferris wheel in Chicago for the World's Fair. So a part of this opening ceremony for the World's Fair was that the children, the school children across the country 
would say a new salute to the flag. And this was all coming about from the promotions department of this Youth's Companion magazine. So Francis Bellamy was tasked to write the salute to the flag. So he thought about this and the divisiveness of the Civil War was still fresh on his mind and everyone else's mind because it had only ended 27 years previously. And he sat down and thought about the words and he wanted to bring about a sense of unity, a sense of allegiance. And he began to write, I pledge allegiance to my flag. And the story continues that it took him about two hours to get the right words, the right rhythm. And he ended up with something like this. And these are the words in his original handwriting. I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's the original Pledge of Allegiance. And do you hear it? Bellamy trying to heal the wounds of our country that had been torn apart by civil war. And this was not written um, to steel us against communism or Nazis or the Nazis or the British. Bellamy was saying, I have seen the enemy and it is us. This former preacher's kid, I mean, this preacher's kid, this former minister, recognized, you know, this is not right. We are all in this together. We are indivisible. There's something within each of us that causes us to be connected. And we nearly destroyed our country three decades ago. The prophets and the mystics have been saying this for centuries. Thomas Aquinas, we love God and know God in the mirror of God's creatures. You're a creature of God, and you're a creature of God. Teresa of Avila said, look for Christ our Lord in everyone, and you will then have respect and reverence for all. Glennon Doyle Melton, in her book, Your Messy, Beautiful Life, or whatever the exact title is, it goes on for lines and lines, um, she said that she tried to get into the practice of saying namaste, just bowing her head just a little bit when she met someone and thinking, the God in me recognizes and honors God in you. Just to, something to bring her back that everyone and everything is magic. She goes on to say in her book that Mother Teresa didn't look up to find God, but into the eyes of the person next to her. And Nepo said it in our reading this morning. We can choose to focus on the ways in which we, were, we are different, 
or we can look in the ways in which look at the ways in which we are alike. Everything in life, he says, touches the same center. We can focus on our differences or we can choose to see the divine in each of us. And that's how we are all connected. I looked up the word indivisible. The definition says that which cannot be divided. Francis Bellamy, Thomas Aquinas, Teresa of Avila, Glennon Doyle, Melton, Nepo, all these people realize that we are all connected because God is in us all. And God cannot be divided. Nothing separates us. The one from whom our souls are born cannot be divided. I want to give you some background on our scripture reading this morning. Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia, and that's what is today Turkey. No, not that Turkey. Um, Galatia is sort of, if you stood a cookie upright, it's the middle of the cookie of Turkey. And you have to understand that when Paul writes you a letter, there's something going on that he thinks he needs to address. Okay? If you look in your mailbox and you get a letter from Paul, something's going on. And uh, the specific problem that he wanted to address was that Jewish Christians wanted Gentile, non-Jewish converts to follow Jewish law. And in this particular circumstance, it was circumcision. And so um, you, I would like for you to understand that in the early days of Christianity, it was a very localized thing, the story of Christ. And then it spread out into the Gentile world. And everyone wanted to know, what must I do to be saved? And Paul thought this needed a clear and decisive answer. And so he composed a letter to settle the matter once and for all. And that's what Paul did in all his letters. He wanted to settle something once and for all. And the book of Galatians outlines the important concept of Christian liberty the idea that belief in Christ frees us from the impossible burden of being perfect and following all the rules. Did I step on any toes on that one? <laughs> I said that part to myself in the mirror. So. so in the verses we read this morning, he talks about liberty or freedom, Paul does. There's no doubt that God called you to a free life. You're not saved by grace. It's nothing that you do. You want to know, what must I do to be saved? It's nothing that you do. But Paul then says, don't think you can do whatever you want to do. That's not what it means. You can't just say, oh, I'm saved by grace. I'll just go do whatever, you know? Don't think you have to follow the law. But there is something, as is normally the case, that's sort of right in the middle, a common ground that we all can do. 
And he says, rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Nothing makes you appreciate freedom more than serving in love. And then Paul summarizes the whole law of God in one sentence. And he gives us and he gives the Galatians, the people, the churches of Galatia, an ethic. And that is love your neighbor as you love yourself. It takes all the stuff, the stuff that people are worried about. What holidays do we observe? Do we fast? Do we not fast? Do we eat this food? Do we not eat this food? Do we circumcise? Do we not circumcise? And he goes, this is it. This is all you have to do. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Paul is basically repeating what Jesus said. Y'all remember this? When the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, oh man, talk about some people who love the law. You know? They were going to trick Jesus. And they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And the second is likened to it, that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, Paul didn't talk about here, love God. He just said, love your neighbor. And perhaps I'm just thinking that maybe that's because if God's not part of it, it's a little difficult, isn't it? To love yourself and love your neighbor and to see God in others. God is, God is a part of it. It's just a given. So what does that look like? Most of the time in this church, you can look around and you can see examples of love in action. But sometimes when you're a part of something while it's happening, it's difficult to see. So I wanted to show you a clip of what loving your neighbor looks like. And this is the example of kids taking care of each other. First piece of fruit. sort of had to desensitize myself to it. I was like crying every time I saw it. 
Do we sometimes feel like Francis Bellamy? Like we're living in a divided world? You know, we get our news only from this particular news station. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We buy groceries at this particular grocery store because it's organic. We read only these books. It's Oprah's list. You get a book. You get a book. Everyone gets a book. We shop in a certain area of town. We live in certain neighborhoods. Or we'd like to. And I will say, go ahead. Compartmentalize your life. We're all still connected. We will rise and fall together. Remember, we are indivisible. God is in us all. To whom or what do you pledge your allegiance? What law do you follow? Paul made it simple for us. Love thy neighbor. May it be so. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers forward at this time.